We're going to finish up our last part of legacy this morning. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about different aspects of leaving a legacy and what that looks like and who the legacy is for and how God sees us leaving a legacy and how do you leave a legacy is what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. In the first week, we talked about living beyond ourselves. Remember that message? Living beyond yourself. It's not about you anymore. It's about things that are beyond you, right? It's not, like I said, it's not about your kingdom. It's about his kingdom. Hid the, the, you know, you know the, the professional prayer, everybody prays the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The one we've prayed a hundred thousand times, right? It's, let me put it in English standards for you. Not my will be done, but your will be done. That's what you prayed, right? And so to leave a legacy in your family, to leave a legacy in your generation, you're going to have to learn how to live beyond yourself. What does that mean? That means you've got to get past yourself, past your problems, past your emotions, past your hurts and wounds, right? Past your junk, past your stupid decisions. Come on. Don't, don't act all righteous this morning. We all make stupid decisions. And I'm the leader of the pack. Amen. Thank you for not saying amen that time. But we got to learn how to live beyond ourselves. It's got to go. It's more than about just me. It's more than just about my needs. It's about God. What do you want me to do? Because you see, when you live beyond yourself, your life screams to Jesus. I trust you. Are you with me? I trust you. I'm going to give them my talent. I'm going to give them my time and my treasures because I trust you. I know that you're going to put something else. As soon as I let go of this, you're going to put something else right here. Right? That's what your life is screaming. It says this. You, we're, we're always preaching something. That's what Nick Saban says. You're always selling something. That's what he tells all of his, his little football players. You're always selling something. The question is, what are you selling? Living beyond ourselves. The second week, we learned about the legacy is, is connecting to a God who can exceedingly ab- do more than we can ever ask or imagine. Right? We talked about living, serving a God who can do more. Going on to greater things. That God has called you to greater things. Those greater things are when you learn to live beyond yourself. You discover the greater things in life. Amen? If you always stay consumed with yourself, if you stay in your little box of a world and you deal with your own little problems, you never get to experience greater things, right? If you never say, Lord, I trust you with everything that I have, then he can never go with it and I'm going to bring you on to to greater things. Thank you for trusting me. Now let's go, right? He's called us to live in greater things. Last week, I preached a message that talked about rewards. And I hope it was a very practical message. I hope it really cleared things up for you. But God does want to reward you. Right? Not only did I preach that, I've lived that. Anything that I have is a reward from God. And anything that I have in eternity is a reward from God. Amen? The reason he says don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing is because he don't want nobody to know what your account looks like in heaven. He don't want nobody else to get the glory that's all deserving for him. 
Because you see, when you go and you don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing and you serve God and you go to greater things and you bless somebody, who gets the glory? And they don't know who, who did it. Who gets the glory? God does. That's why he wants us to do things in secret. In my house, we call it sneaking people. We got to go sneaking some people. What you mean, daddy? We're going to sneak somebody. What's that mean? We're going to sneak a blessing on them. That might sound silly. But when my kids get to be my age, I want them to, to live in sneaking people. Right? That's what I want. Today, we're going to talk about living stones and how God's called us to be living stones. You excited? Yes. You enjoyed this series so far? Yes. Got a short video for you, then I'll come back. In the last 15 years, I guess some of the greatest milestones that I personally remember is really when God called Tracy and I and our family to come to uh, Jennings. We never, ever thought we would be here, but yet God called us. And I remember my friend, Dr. Greg Mulek, said, you know, God must really love the Jennings area because he sent you, Bubba, and your family. And I was blown away by that comment how we came and just how God gave us a building, how God gave us the finance to be able to do that. And, and then we started going out, reaching out to our community and, and we started reaching people. And then not only that, we started doing Friday Night Live because I'd done high schools when I was in Pastor Jacob. And when I came, I looked at Josh and we're gonna reach, we're gonna reach a high school. And then just how God, even those Friday Night Lives, they were very successful, but we felt like God called us to more, went and prayed in uh, Eunice and Really, it was because of a call of a lady uh, that she felt like there was a call. She came and we visited and we went and prayed over a building. And a guy, Harry Gomes and I, the missionary to India, and mm-hmm. he looked at me and goes, Baba, it's your building. And he goes, it's going to be twice big than Jenny's. And I think that's exciting me. And just to see how all that came about, I guess the milestone is that there's a great need, but if we can be the extensions of Jesus' hands, in his mouth, in his heart, and his love, how we can affect people all around our region. This year in Eunice, we've had a lot of great things going on. When it comes to our vision of reaching people and building lives, um, this year so far, we've seen our children's ministry blow up. We've, we've got presently one child to every two adults is our ratio. And that's, that's a very uh, exciting thing, uh, but it, it did cause a problem, and it was a problem with room. We didn't have room. And so we've, we've taken a building and remodeled it and just to make more room for kids. And so um, that's been a great thing this year. And, and we've, also, we've also got more life groups than we've ever had. Uh, we've got several life groups going on during the week. We, we just started a life group in LSU East, which means that we can now reach college kids. We can reach at that college campus that we haven't touched yet. And uh, we, we now have a youth group going on. We've got about 12 youth that are uh, in our church that are active in the youth group. We had our first meeting just this past week, and it's, it's exciting. As I think about this year, just going and doing like a teacher appreciation at one of our high schools here locally, and just just really blessing the teachers, and just blown away with gifts and uh, crawfish oil, and, and, and just what that's done, and how they got up and just shared an appreciation. It's just given us favor. I think about going to the outreach uh, for Peter Street 
and how we just went there week after week uh, during the summer and just really just really just reach out to our community. I think about what's happened also just recently with uh, Joel and really just seeing that come together as, as a church. Both campuses come together and believing for something greater. We have over 3,000 people uh, that, that, that went out. And I know Josh and Lindsay worked hard, but it was, it was the support of the church and the community. And then they saw something that was bigger than all of us. For, for me, it was like a turning point because it brought it brought camaraderie, it brought unity to the to the body, and, and it also allowed people to step out and into new areas of, of leadership. You know what really keeps me up at night is I think about our future, and I think about what God has called us. When when God called Tracy and I, He gave us a vision that was bigger than ourselves. I see different campuses being developed, and, and I see people's lives being changed and transformed. I see marriages strengthened. I see teenagers touched. I see kids that have no hope, that all of a sudden they go from sadness and no future to going, man, I have a future with God. I see over the next several years just life groups getting stronger, um, more life groups, people, people just stepping out and inviting people outside of the church <laughs> to become a part of a life-giving life group. And, and so that we can reach the region and, and, and then have healthy marriages, healthy uh, believers who, who go out and reach more people. And that's, that's going to cause more buildings. That's going to cause more property. That's going to cause expansion. And it's going to cause stretching and faith in all of us. Also excited about uh, just the opportunity to plant another campus. Uh, we, we're living in the benefit and, the, and in the blessing of being the first church plant out of Jennings. And now we get to turn around and, and give back to the next church plan. I'm, I'm excited about what that's going to do for, my, for our people. I'm excited about what that's going to do for our family of churches. And I just believe every time we plant a church, something incredible is going to happen and God's going to increase us. You know, in the last four weeks, myself and Pastor Jamie have been talking to you about our legacy, where God has taken us from and yet where God has taken us to. And I believe this is for each and every one of you We've asked you to pray. We've asked you to believe. We've asked you to step out. And now we're asking you to go, all right, God, what is it that you're asking me to sacrifice? Because I know the only thing God ever breathes on and God ever blesses is sacrifice. Is we're willing to go, all right, God, I trust you. I believe that you can pray and say, God, I'm giving this for the future of my family. I'm giving this for the future of my child that's far away. I'm giving this for God, for the children that are lying ahead. That, that need you in our, in our cities, in our region. People that just don't know you yet. Those empty chairs, that you're going to fill them through our gifts and through our sacrifice. Isn't that good? That's a little vision. We're going places. I don't know if you knew that when you walked into church this morning, but this is a church that's going to do something. God's given us a region. We know what that region is, and we're going to touch it. We're going to work hard to touch it. We're going to reach it. We're going to constantly be pushing to do that. We're going to make disciples. We're going to reach out and reach the lost and reach people and build lives. That's what we're going to do. That's the church we belong to. If you don't want to do that, you just soon leave. <laughs> Can I just be real? If you don't want to work in, because you know, Pastor Bubba always said this, ministry is spelled W-O-R-K, work. Right? Right, Renee? That's what he's always said for years. She's heard it a million times just like I have. Today, I, I, my greatest hope is that at the end of this, this, this sermon series, this, this legacy time that we've had together, 
is that you leave here today with a spirit of thank you, Lord, that I can be a part. That's what I want you to be at the end of today. Is I want you just to leave out here with a thankful heart. Lord, thank you that I am a part of this. Thank you that I'm not who I was before I came and became a part of this. Thank you that I get to be a part of the future. Amen? I mean, just think about this for a moment. When we get to heaven, you're going to be responsible for the lives that were touched and saved, not only in Eunice, but in Crowley. Right? In Jennings. There's people that their lives were touched when we served hamburgers at the race and hot dogs. Right? You're going to be responsible for that. You're going to get credit. Say credit. Everybody likes a little credit. Right? Just give me a little credit. I heard a story the other day. These three guys were, were laying bricks. And this one guy walks up and he goes, hey, what y'all doing? And the first guy goes, oh, I'm laying bricks. The second guy goes, oh, well, I'm, I'm making a wall. And the third guy goes, oh, well, I'm building a castle. And it, the, the guy stepped back and he kind of looked at him and he goes, but you're all laying bricks. So what was the difference? The first guy, all he saw was that I'm just laying bricks. The second guy said, well, I'm building this wall. Maybe that was his commitment was to build the wall. And the third guy maybe in his heart committed to building the whole castle. And he saw it and he said, I'm building a castle with two bricks on the ground. You see the difference. The difference is your perspective. The difference is how you see things. You see, we got to become a regionally minded church. This is something that we're fighting for right now as a staff, as leadership, is to become a regionally minded church. Let me tell you something. There's no other examples around here for you to follow or for you to look at. Nobody else is doing what we're doing right here. They're doing it in big cities. But nobody, nobody's got this kind of country boy ministry that we got going on in all these rural towns, these small towns and these, in this farmland. And nobody's doing what we're doing. And so we've got to make sure that we all stay regionally minded, that we don't become shrunk back to think, well, it's all about Eunice. It's not a us or, or them thing. It's a we thing. Amen. It's a we're planning Crowley. It's not Jennings is planning Crowley. It's we're planning Crowley. You with me? We're a part of a great family. Well, tell me about your church. What's, what's up with that church, that bald-headed man? What y'all got going on over there? Well, we're one church with two campuses. What's that mean? That means we got two churches, but we're all together and we're one. We're united. And by the way, we're getting ready to be three churches. One church, three campuses. So that, that's got to become your, your lingo, right? It's got to become what you use because you've got to have, like the guy that was building the castle, you've got to have the right perspective. Amen? There's mamas in Crowley, there's mamas in Abbeville, there's mamas in Gaydon, there's mamas in Villeplatte praying for somebody to touch their son. And that somebody is us, right? Somebody's kids are addicted to drugs or somebody's husband is addicted to something and they're just screaming out for help. And guess what? We're the help. Amen? It was prophesied every time we plant another church, we're just going to increase in blessings. In other words, God's going to increase our finances. He's going to increase our health. He's going to increase our relationships, our sphere of influence, right? Not so that we can become greater, so that we can go on to plant more churches. 
So where do we go from here? What do we do next? I'm glad you're asking these questions. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It says, it says, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Who? You. Look at me. Say you. Yeah, you. Y'all didn't play with that one real good. I was... no. Thank you, Josh. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When you become a part of this church, when you get plugged into this church and you begin to do things in this church, you become a priest of what you're doing. Come on. The the folks that are, are serving in children's church this morning. They're a priest of what they're doing. Are you with me? God, and that's the way God sees it. It's not that I went and said, okay, you're a priest to anoint you, priest to hit him with some holy water. No, it's not that. It's they become a priest of what they're over, a priest of what they're doing, right? Because what? They're sacrificing. They're actually at home studying what the, the message is going to be for Sunday so that they can go and give the, the greatest lesson to these kids and be the most impactful. That's a sacrifice. Right, mamas? Right, men with jobs? That's a sacrifice to stop and prepare those things. You're a living stone. Today, I want you to live intentionally. I want you to decide to do things with intention. Don't just go where the wind blows. Jesus never called us to just go where the wind blows. He called us to be intentional. He's, he told his disciples specifically when, they, when he was getting ready to ascend into heaven, he said, go make disciples of all the nations. That's intentional. Right? It's intentional. Number one, do what I should do is what we're called to do is is faithfulness. I need to be doing what I should do. You got to start somewhere. Sometimes in giving, the place you start is with your tithe. I believe it's it's where we all start. Number one, you got to tithe. You got to get the principle of tithing down. Amen? It starts right there. You're 10%. I mean, if you can't start with 10%, I don't think you're really going to give much more than that. Amen? You got you to start somewhere. You got to be faithful with that thing. For Cheryl and I right now, I mean, just where we're at, I, I'm hanging on to the fact that I tithe. Because we've been down this road before where I've had to remind God. Not that I had to, but I did. I said, God, you know I tithe. And oh, by the way, your word says this. Listen, I'm just, I'm just being honest. If you don't talk to God, that's your problem. But I'm going to tell him. I mean, my kids hold my feet to the fire, right? Well, you said you was getting me a bicycle for Christmas. <laughs> do what I should do. You need to be faithful. You know, when my kids come to me and say, Daddy, can I? And you fill in the blank. You know, I'm inclined to do what they're asking me to do when they've taken care of what they're supposed to do. Listen, I don't want to give Ethan anything when he ain't took care of his dog and he ain't, I'm using ain't, and he ain't took out the garbage, right? And his mama's having to get frustrated because he's having to remind him to take out the garbage. On on Wednesday nights, he forgets to, to drag it to the road. And he says, hey, daddy, I want this. And I go, hmm. Hmm. Right? 
But let me tell you something. When he's been faithful to do what he wants, what he should do, and he's doing what he's being faithful in those areas that he's responsible for, he says, hey, dad, can I have a sh- anything you want, son? He's listening. I'm teaching him a lesson at the same time. I'm inclined to give him that, right? Last week I told you, we don't work for salvation. Don't get this mixed up. This ain't about salvation. But we work for what? Because we love God and in turn, God gives us rewards. Right? He's given us all the responsibility on this planet to do something. That something is the thing that you're called to do. Amen? So I need to do what I should do. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 to 11 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you, if, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Come on. You see, before I could ever become a pastor of a church, I had to be faithful in children's church. You know how I got into children's church? I complained about the children's church pastor to Pastor Bubba. I went to him, I said, you know, I got an issue with the children's church pastor. He said, really? He listened to me, he goes, good. You can take his place. Dang, mental note, never do that again. And I served faithfully for two years in children's church, being faithful. You see what I'm saying? In the little things. It's the little things that matter to God. It's, those, it's, the, it's the widow's two little coins, right? And let me tell you this. What you think is a great sacrifice today, one day you'll turn around and laugh at. You didn't hear me. What you think is such a great sacrifice today... One day you're going to turn around and you're going to laugh at it. You go, I thought that was a great sacrifice. <laughs> oh, he's calling me something better. Ouch. Number two, I need to do what I could do. I need to sacrifice. You can't leave a legacy if you don't sacrifice. Right? For me to leave a, a financial inheritance to my kids, I'm going to have to make some sacrifices. Right? I'm sorry, but my daddy wasn't rich and my mama wasn't rich. They both have worked until they die. My mama died. She was still working. My daddy's still living. He's still working. Now, I wish. <laughs> I wish my daddy was rich. And I wouldn't have to work. Can I just be honest? I'm jealous of those guys that they don't have to do nothing. Except spend daddy's money. Man, I'd just like to have that for just a little while. Just at least know what it feels like, right? Do what I could do. Sacrifice. But you know what the great thing is? Is that when I sacrifice and I build and I and I, I'd sacrifice for that next generation and I leave a legacy, you know what? I got ownership in that thing. Right? I got ownership. Me and my wife call it, I got skin in the game. Right? It feels better. It's more rewarding when what? When you work for it, when you sacrifice for something, doesn't it? So how do we sacrifice to make a difference? Second Corinthians chapter eight says this. They gave as much as they were able. 
and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service. This is Paul telling the church of Corinthians about another church that gave to his ministry. You with me? They gave, the Bible says, from their ability and then they went beyond their ability. You see, it's not a sacrifice if you already got it. It's a sacrifice when you ain't got it. Or when you give it and ain't none left. Man, that's a sacrifice. Right? But he's bragging about this church. And he says, they gave from their ability. And they gave beyond their ability. And he said, here's the key word in all this. And they came to me and asked me if they could give. I long for the day when people come say, hey, pastor, I got about 30,000. I need to put it somewhere. Where do you want me to go with it? I'll be like... Better get somebody to catch me. (laughs) Right? They went to the pastor of the church, the guy building the church. You see the you see their heart? Let me think. Some of you will never be a preacher. Right? Some of you will never lead a life group. Right? Some of you, you've you've got the ability. To make money or make resources. Right? Mm -hmm. Then do it. Do it the best that you can. That's what Paul was saying about these people. As they gave, they wanted to financially support the kingdom. Right? Or they wanted to use their resources to build the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Sometimes resources is people. You may never work in children's church. We got a guy that just came to one of our churches and, and he said, he he went to pastor and he said, uh, he said, look, I'm, I'm just so you know, your ex, our expectations are the same. I'm probably not going to be highly involved in the ministry of the church. He said, but I do have the ability to make lots of money. And I do want to financially support the church. Now, how many of you know Pastor Bob? I didn't get mad at him. Right? Some people are called to do that. If that's you, do it. Do it. Do it with all your heart. That's fine. I understand that. But if you don't have that ability and you're using that as an excuse, (laughs) never mind. I'm trying to be a rich man. So I'm working all the time so I don't have to work in children's church. I don't want to be there for the, the work day at church because I'm earning money. Are you with me? It always requires sacrifice to go on. Right? To go on to more things. It, it causes Sacrifice. I, some of you were raised like I was, kind of old school type. My grandmother, she, she believed in storing cash. She came from that old school where when you got it, you better store it. Because you never know when it's going to rain. Right? And she hung on to everything she had. Now, she gave to the church. She gave her 10%. But I'll be honest with you. I didn't see Mama too many times give outside of her 
right? And she came from that old school thing that you got to hang on to what you got. And, and I'll tell you, I've had to fight that in my life because when we get something, I kind of want to go, okay, let's just hold on to that. And then I say when it rains, right? It's raining the new boat, baby. I need to get to no, just joking. <laughs> But we want to hold on to that, right? But there's no sacrifice in holding on to that. It's a sacrifice when you want to go on to something greater, right? So I need to do what I should do. I need to sacrifice. Number three, I need to do what I would do. I need to have faith. Number one, you got to be faithful, you got to take care of the little things in your life. Be faithful in those areas so that God can trust you with more. Amen? Yep. Number two, you need to sacrifice to do more. You need to sacrifice to go beyond. You need to sacrifice to leave a legacy. And number three, you need to do what I would do, and that's faith. You need to have faith. I want to lead a church of dreamers. I want people to come to me and say, hey, pastor, i got a burden to go reach this certain part of the city. Can I do it? Yes, go. Go. And come to me. I will do just like that. I don't know. Maybe I need a blessing. Stupid. God, that was stupid. I have to cut that out soon, Marie. I want to lead a church of dreamers. I want people that want to go somewhere. Amen. And I believe that's who you are. I really do. I thank God for you this morning because I am very grateful for the people that come to this church. Because I know that I've made it very clear who we are and where we're going. And you're still here. I'm like, oh, yeah, they stayed, Lord. Because <laughs> honestly, I was like, they, they might all leave. Second <laughs> Corinthians 9, 10 to 11 says this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. And will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Who supplies seed to the sower? God does. Jesus does. But if you don't sow the seed, you don't need no more seed. Right? Who's he supplied the seed to? The sower. The one who plants. See, I don't know about you, but this is a word for me this morning. The one that plants, he provides seed for. The one who doesn't plant, doesn't receive any more seed. Right? He can supply all the seed you can ever plant. You don't believe me? Test him. Seriously. Test him. And then he says this. And he will increase your store of seed. And will enlarge your harvest or the harvest of your righteousness. You see, when you sow seed, he gives you more seed to sow. Right? That's called increase. 
Increase is not how much you got in savings. And that's not just a financial term. It's not how much equity you got in your house. It's not how many good clothes you got in your closet. That's not, that's not increase. Right? Increase is when he gives you more to sow. Are you following me? If you don't sow, you don't. But if you don't sow, you don't get more seed. So what happens to the seed you have? Come on, some of you farmers. I mean, what, is it, what happens to you? you? You got seed and you don't plant that seed. What happens to that seed? It dies. It goes to waste, right? I mean, it's just kind of, it might be the story of your financial life. It just goes to waste. <laughs> I don't know. But man, when you get that seed and you put that seed in the ground, he gives you more seed to sow. But what's the opposite of that? He gives us seed and we don't sow. So therefore, it starts drying up and dying, right? So then what, what normally happens? We get mad at God, right? We go, well, golly, Lord. I mean, what's up with this? I'm supposed to be blessed. Isn't that how it happens? I mean, come on, let's just be honest this morning. I catch an attitude. I don't want to talk to him. That's how I get mad. I just give him the silent treatment. Who am I hurting? Me! Am I hurting God because I get mad at him? It's me. It's my family. It's my sphere of influence that I'm hurting. Right? I believe he wants to give us more seed than we've ever imagined he wanted to give us. I know some of the dumbest folk in the world that are filthy rich right now because they got this one principle down. I'm serious. They dumb. Just dumb folk. Because you know how it is. Dumb folk ain't supposed to make money. Right? That's what I was always taught. That's what my teachers told me. If you don't go to college, you don't make money. Right? So I was like, sure, I'm just going to be dumb. It's not about how smart you are. It's about whether or not you sow. Man, you, you might start off with 10 little mustard seeds. Man, plant those seeds. Plant them and plant them well. I know some people, they just, oh, I got seeds. And you got mustards all over the place. Ah, that don't make sense. Right? I've done that. I just like, I get a twin. Lord, tell me who to give to. And the first person goes, here. He's like, no. Not that one. Be smart. Sow with intentions. Sow as I lead you to sow. Come on. Right? Because he may not want you to sow into T-boy just because T-boy come passing on by. Right? He may want you to sow into T-girl when she comes by because she's the one that he wants to bless. Right? But if you don't have control of your seeds, T-boy's going to get somebody else's blessing. And God didn't want him to. You want to leave a legacy? You want to leave a legacy for your kids. You want to leave a legacy for the next generation. You know, it's not just about your kids. It's about the folks that you have influence over. Right? It's, it's, your, it's your kid's baseball coach. 
It's maybe the mom that sits next to you at every game. People are watching your life. You have influence. God gives you that influence. I want to leave a legacy. I can't wait to see the 10 churches that we plant in this region. Can I just be honest with you? That's radical. 10 churches. Well, man, there ain't even 10 cities. I mean, I'm like, that's just the way I feel. And I go, but hey, I'm into doing crazy stuff. Let's go. I can't wait. I can't wait to see all these kids in children's church right now grow up. I can't wait. Some of them, I just, sometimes I just sit around and think, man, I wonder what, I wonder what Micah's going to be when he gets, is he going to play professional football? I mean, brother's good. You with me? Just wonder what some of your kids are going to be. And I kind of go, ah, man. I think about my own kids too. I wonder where Virginia's going to go. Are we going to have to push her out? (laughs) Sometimes I need to be pushed out. Would you stand up with me this morning? I want to pray some verses over you. And then we'll get ready to receive our legacy offering. I just want to say thank you for praying and preparing. Thank you for asking God what you should do and how you should do it when it comes to this legacy offering. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being faithful to give. I know I've said this before, but you're a part of one of the churches that gives the greatest. Our our two churches, Jennings and, and, and Eunice, when we talk with like Lafayette and Broussard and Opelousas, at one point... We were giving more per person, per capita than they were. And it's not a comparison thing. For me, I just go, man, God, thank you. Because you know what? We're not seen as the big city folk, right? We're just the country folk. So what? We're giving. Amen? So open your hands up. I just want to pray these two verses over you. Lord, I come to you right now. And Father, I claim these verses over our church. Psalms 112 verse 9 says that they shall, they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. And 1 Timothy says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the folks in this church, Father. Thank you for the sacrifices that are made every Sunday. Thank you for every children's worker that studies their their materials and plans and prepares. And they they actually lay down some prayer over those kids before they even get in there. And then when those kids come, Lord, they just transfer your love to them. Thank you for those workers in the children's church, Lord. Thank you for the sound and media team that get here early to plan and prepare. For the person that makes the coffee, Lord. For the people that straighten up around here on Sundays just so that when new people come, it'll, it'll look nice. For the worship team that practices all week and plans and prepares and and just enters into your, your, your presence so that they can lead us into your presence, Lord. Thank you 
for those people. Thank you for those that that just give financially, Father. They're just financial givers. They can't really be here and be a part of this or that. Thank you for those folks, Lord. Thank you, Father. For every person that's like a widow and gave sacrificially. Thank you, Lord. Because no sacrifice goes unnoticed by you. Lord, help us to sow the seed we have in our hand so that, Father, you'll give us more seed to sow. I want to increase, Lord, not for me, but for you. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for these gifts. In Jesus' name, amen.